The following is a presentation of Team Bonding, providing more than 100 live, virtual, or hybrid corporate team building activities for companies around the world. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. On this episode of Team Building Saves the World. I think the Kiwi attitude and um, mentality is sort of roll your sleeves up, let's get through it. Let's talk about the one to 10. When do I know what number I need to be looking for? around giving them fun but with learning and with value the cost of getting it wrong far outweighs the cost of getting it right Team, it's me, your old friend, Rich Renanzlan, host of Team Building Saves the World, the show where I speak to the leaders and innovators of the team building industry from all across the globe, trying to find out what about that industry is so important, especially in the world of today. And today, we're going back to around the world. I'm reaching all the way out to Auckland, New Zealand to talk to the leader and creator of Team Up Events, Stu Robertson. But first, I need to send my thanks out to my supporters at the Catalyst Team Building Network. Find out more about the world's largest network of team building providers at CatalystGlobal.com. And now, team, join me in welcoming all the way from Auckland, New Zealand, the managing director and founder of Team Up Events, Mr. Stu Robertson. Hello, Stu. Hey, what's the weather like out there in Auckland? Look, we're uh, we're in the uh, the middle of a really good spell of weather. It's uh, been hot and dry. Lots of time for the beach, getting into uh, the great outdoors of New Zealand. That's it. I am officially jealous. But Stu, my team out there is going to wonder about you. They're going to wonder who this guy is that I've been talking to. So why don't you go ahead? Let's tell them a little bit about you, Stu Robertson. Uh, look, we've uh, team up events in New Zealand. We were founded seven years ago, off the back of both my experience in the industry for about ten years prior to that. Um, in terms of my background, I've always been working with high-performing teams or high-performing athletes. Uh, come from a football playing and coaching background, and then have uh, have transferred that experience or skill sets into the the corporate team building or team development sort of space. So, so that's me in a, in a nutshell. Have you been doing this for about ten years? Is that correct? So, yeah, team up about seven years, and then about ten years uh, experience previous to that. So, I'm fifteen to twenty years around there. What, however, makes you go from your sports background to team building? I think it was a little bit of a natural progression. So obviously I've been working in the sports industry and then there was just a, a natural progression of those skill sets into a corporate team environment rather than a, a sports setting. Um, opportunity to come and work with businesses and really help them develop their people, grow their business and, uh, and become high performing teams in their own right. What do you see as the major difference between, say, a professional sporting team and a corporate team? There's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. In terms of similarities, most teams we find already have the tools and resources and skill sets to be successful. It's just a matter of helping them unlock the potential. But obviously, the big difference is sports teams, you know, full-time professional athletes, that's all they're focusing on and working on, and often they're their lives outside of the sport will revolve around sport. Uh, obviously, in a corporate setting and a business setting, we've got to juggle our, our personal lives with our work lives. So we've got to try and keep that balance. So let's talk about that. Um, is that something that you help people to accomplish, discovering the difference between the two? Or is it more yeah. about when you go in, you're all about the corporate life? Look, I think uh, most people, especially now, uh, post well, coming up to post-COVID in, in some mm -hmm. parts of the world, it's, um, it's around that work-life balance and understanding how one can impact the other, both uh, positively and sometimes negatively. Um, so it's helping teams understand, you know, building better relationships, 
understanding communication styles, personality types, all these things can have a huge benefit, not only in the workplace, but also in, in your personal lives. Can you give me an example of something like that? Like, let's talk about something something from someone's corporate life that you've seen that you think could actually assist them in their in their more personal day. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it comes around communication styles. And uh, one of the products we use called Extended Disc um, will give insights into personality types, both conscious, how we think we need to be, and unconscious, how we actually are or how we really are. Sometimes when we take our, our clients or participants through these uh, these assessments or these workshops, you know, it can be quite confronting and sometimes the, the reaction can be, this, this report doesn't reflect me. However, what we always say to those participants is take it home, give it to your husband, your wife, father, mother, uh, maybe even your children. Quite often the, the feedback they'll get is, yeah, this is actually you in a nutshell. So sometimes <laughs> it's around raising self-awareness. That can be a big part. But now let's go back for a second because you had talked about, you know, coming out of the COVID life. New Zealand had a very different start to the whole COVID pandemic than we did here in the U.S. As I understand it, you guys went into lockdown very quickly with, I don't want to say draconian measures, but certainly uh, an idea of keeping the nation safe. How did COVID work out for you over there in New Zealand? Look, I think um, the first thing is we, we have been impacted by COVID, but just like everywhere else around the world, our lockdowns may not have been as long or, or continued with the same effects as many other countries have experienced. But, you know, we were impacted. We had, you know, businesses shutting down, people working from home, a, a rapid switch from, you know, the, the social connections used to get day to day in the workplace to right. being completely gone and everyone being online, Zoom, Teams, WebEx, et cetera, et cetera. Last year, 2020, obviously, we probably had two main lockdowns. Uh, we've tended to bounce back pretty quickly. And then this year, we, we've just had in, in Auckland and New Zealand, we've had a couple of weeks of lockdown through February. But again, I think the Kiwi attitude and um, mentality is sort of roll your sleeves up, let's get through it. And then also when we come out of it, let's get back to doing business. Let's get back to meeting in person. Let's get back to face-to-face. We all know the value of it. And if anything, you crave it a little bit more when you don't have the opportunity to do it day-to-day. Take us back, if you can, to those early days for Team Up events. What did it look like? How did you know this was coming? And what did you guys decide to do? To be fair, we were a little bit behind the rest of the world. You could say that we should have seen it coming, but huh. you know, it did hit, hit us pretty quick. And it was about a year ago, actually. I think it was a year ago. Three days ago, 19th of March was when New Zealand went into lockdown. It came out of the blue, the borders shut, then we went into a full four-week lockdown. And, you know, the real key thing for any business in New Zealand then was how do we pivot? How do we change? How do we adjust? Now we have to have this remote working environment. How do we balance having kids at home, but also, you know, keeping the wheels turning from a work perspective? Uh, For Team Up Events, it was how do we connect our clients? How do we give them the same great service, the same engagement? How do we build those same connections, but just in a virtual environment now? So again, through the Catalyst Network, we're able to, um, you know, to brainstorm, to create, to innovate with our partners around the world, to develop a full suite of remote or virtual products, which are continuing to go strong to this day. Obviously, we we know in New Zealand, having moved now back to predominantly face-to-face, that's where people want to be. But when we do have these lockdowns, like a couple of weeks ago, We're now in this great situation where we can pivot really easily and we can say to our clients, hey, look, your event can still go ahead. Um, We can still build these great connections and relationships, but now we're just changing the venue, essentially. Instead of doing it in your offices or in your conference room or out down around the city, now we're just taking the venue online. So we're, we're very fortunate. It was a lot of hard work. But now we have this full complement, I suppose, of face-to-face hybrid events, which can be a mix of both face-to-face and virtual, and of course, a full suite of online and remote events. 
Nice. And do you find that you're getting a lot of that hybrid or is it mostly one or the other? To be really honest, with the hybrid for us, it tends to be between our partners in Australia and, and ourselves, where we have yeah. uh, companies who have an office in Australia and New Zealand. Traditionally, they've come together in one location and we've had a, a live event. Now we're having events where it's been delivered live in Australia, live in uh, New Zealand, but connected virtually um, over conferencing platforms like WebEx or Teams or Zoom and so on. So, you know, there are some benefits that come out of it. Yeah. Are, are you still seeing that people are hesitant to gather again, or is it something that they're eager to do? Uh, in New Zealand, very much eager. Um, I mean, people, there's no substitute for face-to-face. I think that's one of the big learnings. It's almost like it went through a little bit of a trend. At the beginning of 2020, everyone's like, remote and virtual's great. Working from home is great. We love it. And then I think the longer it's gone on, the more people want to get back into the office face-to-face. They want those social connections, those relationships, those interactions that we just... You know, you do miss when you are working remotely. What about you yourself? Any personal preferences, whether it's live, virtual, or hybrid of the two? For myself, you just can't beat the interaction of a, of a live crowd. Running events virtually is a skill set in itself, as I'm sure you'd know running these, uh, these podcasts uh, with people all around the world. Sometimes you, you can miss that little bit of interaction with the crowd or with the teams and participants in a virtual setting compared to a live setting. For me personally, yeah, I, I love a big crowd. There's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Well, what do you prefer, outdoor or indoor? I mean, coming from a sporting background like you have, your outdoor events must be insanely good. Yeah, look, um, again, it's it's more around matching events to clients' outcomes. And I suppose the, the real kick for us or the, the driving factor for us is, is how much can we help the client? How can we benefit the participants? How can we help drive them forward? Now, whether that's in an outdoor setting, an indoor setting, evening, whatever it might be, that's sort of secondary to actually being able to go, hey, We've walked away from this event. We've made a difference. We've helped create some relationships, maybe break down some barriers, open up some doors to that particular team so that they can drive forward to achieve their goals. So that's probably the big driver for us rather than which particular style of event. Just like there's not the perfect tool for every job, there's not the perfect event for every team. It's around digging a little bit deeper, understanding the team, the business, and what their drivers or objectives are. And then really trying to customize or tailor an event that's going to deliver some real return on investment and some value for, for that client. Are you guys still finding that there are still directives you have to follow regarding COVID when you get back to live events? And what um, kind of- Look, I think a, a, a lot of it in New Zealand is, yes, we, we are sort of governed by alert levels and, and we have restrictions depending on what alert level we're sitting in um, nationally in New Zealand. So at the moment, we're in alert level one. There's no restrictions on gatherings, but... You know, where possible, there are guidelines to follow around, you know, good hygiene and social distancing and these types of things. And, you know, I think as part of everyone in New Zealand, our our team of 5 million, everyone's really committed to stamping out the virus and um, allowing businesses to keep operating, allowing people to be able to come back into the workplace. So people have been really disciplined and really supportive of, of following, I suppose, what you'd call best practice so that we can enjoy the freedom that we we currently have in New Zealand. You're still doing masks and so forth? Masks come into effect at alert level two and three um, okay. in New Zealand, and that's mainly on things like public transport. But um, in, in terms of at the moment, you know, you can walk down to the supermarket, to the shopping mall. You know, there's hand sanitizer everywhere. We have QR codes where you can scan in to record where you've been, but there's no sort of restrictions around group numbers. I mean, we had some great big rugby games played in New Zealand over the weekend with huge crowds. We just had the America's Cup, which we very proudly uh, defended. And, you know, life is, is pretty much back to normal. The, the big one for us in New Zealand is the borders are closed. Um, and that's probably the, the one that we feel the most. So New Zealand very reliant on tourism, just that, um, as with our business events, groups coming into New Zealand, 
Right. And uh, and while those borders uh, remain closed, you know, it, it does take a hit on our economy. But you're still finding even with closed borders that virtually you're able to actually still keep those people coming in? Look, I think with the virtual stuff with our borders closed, it's around connecting our Australian clients, New Zealand clients, clients with offices in, in Asia. We're able to still connect those through the power of team building, um, I suppose. But in terms of the, you know, bringing them in for these incentive conferences or business events where they would come and spend three four days around the country, those are obviously very much on hold at the moment, sadly. That's some fascinating stuff, Stu. Can you hold on for me for one second? Because I want to tell all my team out there about Catalyst Team Building Network, an association of team building providers. With representatives in over 90 countries speaking more than 20 languages, the Catalyst Network is widely regarded as the voice of the team building industry. Network members share resources, best practices, and business opportunities. Catalyst partners are learning from each other and pushing the boundaries of what is possible in team building. Catalyst network members share a common goal of creating highly relevant, socially responsible, good value experiences for their clients. For more information, please visit catalystglobal.com. The Catalyst Team Building Network, the world's largest network of team building providers. Let's talk about team up events. Uh, you have the motto of challenge, inspire, and achieve. What does that actually mean to you, Stu? Yeah, so so those three words are quite powerful and, and quite uh, prominent in, in what we try to do every day for our clients. Obviously, it's around challenging traditional ways of thinking, opening up people's eyes to new ways of thinking or new ways of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, the, the inspire is inspiring the power of teamwork. So getting people to understand their, I suppose, individual importance and collective value to the organization or to the team. And then obviously the achievers is really helping our clients achieve their goals. So understanding what they're working towards and how we can help them um, take positive steps towards achieving those goals. So it's very central to what we do as a team building or, or what I like to call a team engagement company. Nice. Um, that's, that's really trying to develop teams. It's not just about having a fun time together. Obviously, you know, we always say fun is central to any event because fun helps create the engagement, but it's actually about how can we have the fun with the value, with some learning that can be transferred back into the workplace environment or some learning that can help us build more positive or more effective relationships within the workplace. So yeah, it's, it's really important to us. We think it fits really nicely with who we are as a, as a company and a brand and also gives our clients a, an insight into what we want to you know, assist them with, I suppose. It sounds fantastic. I, I love just the philosophy. of I, I very much try to live up to that kind of thing myself over here in the States. But you were talking about, rather, can you give me an example of an event that you do where you can actually have someone be inspired by it and learn? Because a lot of what I hear from people outside of the industry is, how does this really help? Or is it just an hour and a half, two hours of fun so we get to relax a little bit. What is the difference that you see? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, um, first of all, it'll, it'll come with the, the brief for the event. And, and we always talk, and I'm sure you've heard before from a number of my colleagues from the Catalyst Network, but we always talk about the scale of one to 10. And, and one, at this end of the scale might be team bonding, shared experience, pure fun, uh, an opportunity just to relax. Right. Um, and, and enjoy the company of your colleagues and maybe learn a little bit more about them in an informal environment. You know, there's that saying that you learn more about a, a person uh, in an hour of play than in a lifetime of conversation. So that's sort of your one end of the scale. 
Uh, and then at the 10 end of the scale, you have your very sort of outcome focused team building, team development. There are specific messages or specific, you know, not issues, but maybe performance traits that we want to address, whether it's around breaking down silo mentality or cross-functional communication. So the first part really is finding out where the client uh, wants the event to sit or what their objectives are so we can match an event uh, on that scale that's going, going to suit. Okay. Um, and then it comes comes into the delivery. So um, how we tailor the delivery to the client, that could be based on you know what type of business they are, the demographic, the gender split, the age range, their functions within the business. So again, it's around tailoring your delivery. And then the real power comes in the, the debrief and how you can then relate some of those scenarios and situations that you've been able to create through experiential learning in the program or the event and transfer them back to the workplace. So when this situation uh, arose in the program, how did we react? Um, what did we do? What, what did we do well? What could we have done better? What might we do differently next time? Right. And then how can we relate that back into the work environment? So sometimes a lot of the specific work examples can come from the clients themselves. And for us, I suppose, as the facilitators or providers, we would speak to the general, but having the reinforcement where you can, we, you can have a debrief where groups can go, actually, light bulb moment, I know when we're in talking to our accounts team or when we're in engineering or whatever it might be, this happens sometimes. And now I can see the relevance of what's happened in this event and how we might adjust ourselves back in the workplace. So let's go back. Let's talk about the one to 10. Let's say, for example, I am like the head of HR for a major corporation. And when should I know not only when it's time to actually bring my team together, bring you folks in to come and and liven up my team to give them that team building experience, but also when do I know what number I need to be looking for? Absolutely. Well, look, most event organizers, HR, for example, there'll there'll be a purpose for the reason for meeting. It might be an induction. It might be a conference. It might be a, a strategic team planning day. And depending on the theme of the reason why they're coming together, that will have a big input into the type of event and we might sit on that scale. So for example, you know, a client might be coming together, it might be a graduate induction, these people don't know each other so well. So one of the big drivers is going to be getting them to, to really mix and mingle, to, to meet each other, to understand the different personality styles in the group. And so that might naturally lean the program one way or another, where a client has specific objectives or content that they want to intertwine into the event, again, that can direct the program or the recommendations either way on that scale. So if they're launching new products, they want to intertwine that into the event, it might actually become outcome and object focused rather than just pure fun. Or if they're they're launching new organizational values, for example, then it's going to be very outcome focused around giving them fun, but with learning and with value relating it back to the work environment. Now, you also mentioned the individual important versus your collective value. What's the difference? And and how do you have one prove the other? Everyone wants to go to a workplace where they feel part of a team, where they have great relationships, where they can be positive contributors to the team and where they feel valued. So the individual important piece is really important because that's (laughs) the engagement. That's what makes people be an active participant in the team, not a passive participant. So first, people actually need to understand the role they play in the team and the value that they bring. Now, whether that's understanding their own skill sets, understanding their own personality style, understanding part that they play in the overall team, so the cog and the wheel type scenario. So we really focus on trying to open up people's uh, views, not only for themselves, but also the way they look at their colleagues and understanding their individual importance and the strengths and attributes and qualities, characteristics that they bring. 
And once we have that, then we go from this transition from uh, passive participants to active participants in the team. And that's when we're able to really understand that when, you know, the sum of our parts is always going to be greater than the individual parts. So it's around how do we all contribute to an effective and efficient team? Do you have a way of pointing that out to people? Like, can you give me an example of an event where somebody didn't really see how they helped add to it to their teamwork? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think with um, with some of those examples, very very program specific. But if you look at something like uh, the big picture, which would probably be one of the most famous products in the in the Catalyst Team Building Network, you know, if if one person doesn't play their role or contribute or communicate, or if the line of communication doesn't flow to all of the members, then we could end up with a canvas that's not quite right. The, the colors don't quite blend. So the overall end product in the big picture is a fantastic example of, hey, if we look at these 15 or 16 canvases, they're perfect. This is a great example of when we're all on the same page, um, when we're all pulling in the same direction, the communication's good. Look how efficient, how effective we can be, how well we can perform. And hey, maybe let's have a look at these two or three canvases that, you know, not quite as good, uh, but an example of, hey, when, when we maybe neglect our communication a little bit or the information doesn't flow through the whole team, then obviously that's a reminder of the importance of that communication, of that team, and of everyone playing their role uh, within the team to contribute to the final outcome. Do you have a personal favorite event you like to lead or that you liked? I mean, you're the boss now. So I can't imagine you're digging in, you're rolling up your sleeves and getting into it with everybody. But do you have a favorite one? The big picture, I would say, in terms of connecting with the client, you know, the big picture, we design an image which represents the client's business, the team, you know, incorporates all of the key outcomes or the values, vision, products, whatever it might be. And then the, the company as a whole essentially draw and paint this image without ever seeing the whole image. So the, the program's very powerful. It's, it's collaborative, um, you know, strong emphasis on communication. And the end output directly reflects the way that that team or business has worked together during that two-hour or three-hour period. So the product's high impact. It has genuine wow factor. But you look and talk to the participants post-event, and they have this real sense of ownership around what they've created and what they've done. And as I mentioned before, the best bit isn't that it's all perfect because it never is perfect, but no team is perfect. It's actually showing up the bits that, hey, this was really great and look how good we can be. And here's a reminder of why these other things are important and we need to keep working on them and focusing on them day to day. So that particular program uh, for me is an absolute standout and never fail. Another one that that I thoroughly enjoy, and I actually just ran the first one last week uh, for over a year, is, uh, is a product we developed here in New Zealand called the Situation Room, which is very much a business simulation type event around agile ways of working. Now, pre-COVID and, and before COVID came in, there was a big shift uh, in a lot of organizations around the world to agile ways of working. So it's being able to adapt and adjust and often not have to see the whole picture, but just know that whatever we're working on at the moment is, is gonna play a role in, in what the team's driving towards. So this particular program, very high impact, time bound, lots of time pressure, and lots going on all at once, focusing on that agile, those agile ways of working. So that particular product, um, one you know, we're very proud of it. Team up that we we developed ourselves. We launched uh, through the Catalyst Network in 2019. Excellent. We're expecting big things in uh, in 2020 before COVID, 
And obviously with the shift to, or the focus to, uh, to remote or virtual events, that one's sort of uh, taken a backward step over the last 12 months. But I'm sure as we, uh, we head back to face-to-face -face events over the next 12 to 18 months, it, it will become a strong product around the world. Fantastic. Tell, tell us more about Situation Room, because that, that's one I'm not familiar with. Yeah, so, so the focus of the Situation Room is essentially it's, a, it's around a, an illicit trade scenario. There's a briefcase that's been recovered. This is sort of setting the theme for you. Uh, a briefcase that's been recovered. So each team has a briefcase on their table. And quite different from a facilitation perspective that all of the facilitation is done via video, pre-recorded videos. Huh. And uh, essentially, you get a little video update, a status update, and then you get some clues as to how to open a compartment within your briefcase. Inside wow. that compartment, there are a number of challenges that you have to complete in order to find out information around this developing scenario or situation. So uh, in New Zealand, we think of, you know, sort of the White House and the, and the big boardroom in the White House and there's sure. a, a crisis and a situation. And <laughs> it's how do, we, how do we react to stimuli? How do we react to time pressure? How do we react to information or lack of information? And then how do we uh, coordinate ourselves as a team? Because there's so much going on at one time. Is our teamwork coordinated or is it chaotic? Are there missing links in the chain? Or are we able to remain effective even when under pressure? So, yeah, very high pressure event. You know, it has a bit of a, a sort of a, 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 you know, born identity, men in black uh, <laughs> sort of type theme to it. Yeah, one one that uh, you know we've we've delivered around the world already. In fact, we've run some we've had events run in uh, United Kingdom and Ireland. And we ran a situation room in Mexico for some of our Catalyst partners. Uh, we've run it in, in Bali and in Indonesia. Uh, and the last one we ran overseas was in in Macau. So and Hong Kong. So it's already spreading, I suppose, around the world. Um, and we look forward to to seeing that grow more, probably uh, 2022 and beyond. Just explain to my team, if you can, how do you manage that virtually? Yes, yeah, so this is very much a face-to-face -face event. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, when we, we made the shift to, to virtual, that was one event we felt would lose too much of what makes it special if we tried to make it a virtual event. So it's very much a face-to-face -face event, very tactile, so it does rely on the, the touch and feel quite a bit. But in terms of rolling it out globally from New Zealand, you know, using a virtual setting, so, you know, we run training for the program virtually for, you know, facilitators all around the world for our Catalyst partners, use of video training as well. But yeah, th this is one event that the virtual remains very much face-to-face. -face. I am always amazed by the Catalyst partners and how they manage to actually not only trade these events, but also the best practices and the new ways of doing anything, especially at the beginning of COVID, trying to take everything to virtual just to give you an example from my own personal life, I walked into my boss's office one day a little over a year ago, and he looked right at me and he goes, hey, I just want you to know that no matter what you've heard, we're going to keep this going. We're talking right now with other Catalyst partners. We're figuring out how to make the switch. And I'm looking at him going, what are you even talking about? <laughs> because you folks, having seen it and what, how quickly we needed to react and respond, we're already beginning the steps to change it. Do you have any other examples about how like your team, either Catalyst or your own personal facilitation team, managed to really step up and make this all work for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think it's more just the, the willingness of, of the network to really band together and find ways that uh, we can help our clients, which, of course, if we can help our clients, that helps all of us as individual businesses right. ar around the world. Right. Um, look, the, the power of the Catalyst network is the partners. There's just absolutely no substitute for the knowledge and experience that you have from the partners when we combine together, when we come together to um, develop new products or discuss 
best practice or even sharing information around you know these platforms that we're using virtually now you know what are the best platforms for particular scenarios or events how do we adjust our facilitation style to suit remote or virtual delivery versus live delivery um so yeah the, the catalyst network on the whole the partners are are really what make it tick and i suppose from a client's perspective that's when you engage a catalyst partner you're not just engaging that that one person in that one country that have got the power the experience the expertise of the whole network around the world and going into helping your event be a success mm-hmm. and you know quite often you say you know would you um, you wouldn't send your child to a school with unqualified teachers right. um so why would you use a team building provider that doesn't have that that qualification that experience and that expertise behind it and the reality is when you do engage in a team building event for a lot of our clients, you know, it might only happen two or three times a year. So you've mm-hmm. only got two or three opportunities to really have high impact, high value. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings is the cost of getting it wrong far outweighs the cost of getting it right. And what should be a fantastic experience for your team, if you don't get it right, can actually be very, very detrimental. So, yeah, when you engage with Catalyst, that's that's what you're engaging with. Speaking of getting it wrong, one of my favorite things that my listeners love is hearing personal stories, either for you or one of your facilitation team, about when something went so completely wrong, like an unforeseen circumstance hit, and you had to you had to do a personal pivot on the day of. Do you have any stories like that that you could share with us? You don't have to get into client names or your own facilitator. No, no, name you don't like. Absolutely, <laughs> traveling internationally for events is something that you know requires its own level of of experience. And you have to go through some some road bumps to build that experience. But a, a really good story was uh, flying up to Fiji to run a, a big picture event. And we had to organize an exhibition wall. And so we use these exhibition walls to hang the big picture canvases on to do the reveal at the end sure. of the event. So it's very, very pivotal. It's essentially you drop the sheet and there's the image hanging that, you know, the, the, all the canvases and so on. So that, going up to Fiji. Moment. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so going up to Fiji, you know, obviously we can't take a, a 10 meter by two meter high exhibition wall with us on the plane. So we need to we need to organize that locally in Fiji. And in Fiji, there's a little saying, I'm sure you've heard the saying before, but, you know, everything's on island time. It's a very, you know, relaxed place, sunshine, everything's a, a little bit more slower and, and I suppose a little bit more casual. So we engaged with a supplier up in Fiji to provide us with an exhibition wall. We sent them photos of what we needed, very clear, this is exactly what we need. And then we get up there. And the, the exhibition wall's being delivered on the morning of the event. So it's going to arrive at 9 o'clock. The event starts at 1 p.m. No problems. So we're all feeling really confident. We're flowing up. We've got our canvases, our paint, our brushes, everything we need. 150 people. And then obviously we're in the conference room setting up and waiting for our exhibition wall to arrive. And it arrives. And it's just completely different to what we'd ordered. So the normal scenario with the exhibition walls is they're actually got a fabric covering on them that you can Velcro straight to. So the wall, the wall that they bought up was, it was almost just a pure timber wall. But the other thing was it, it wasn't flat. Uh, it had ruts on it. So you couldn't, even if you had, you know, Velcro or sticky tape or anything, you, there's just no way you could hang these canvases to the wall. So obviously we're, you know, sort of two hours away from our event starting and now we don't have a, a 10 meter by two meter exhibition wall. So that's where, you know, you've got to innovate, you've got to think on your, on your feet and you, you've got to adapt. And most importantly, the event's got to go ahead. And right. there was nothing that was going to stop that event going ahead. So, you know, a little bit of talking to the to the hotel. This was at the Sheraton in Fiji. 
and talking to the banquet staff and we, we managed to locate some 2.2 metre trestle tables that we then were able to stand up on their end and use the original wall to as a bit of bracing um, <laughs> and we, we created a we created a flat wall on about a you know almost like a 30 degree angle um, that we were then able to to stick our canvases to so I, again, those, those little things happen. You know, client client never knew. Client was never worried. We had it under control. We had a great war. We did a fantastic reveal. Everyone was amazed and happy. These trestle tables stood there. They were secured. They stood there for two days of the conference so the image could be hung and sort of learn from that and, and move on. That's fantastic. I love that story. I have so many stories where I've, as a lead facilitator, have talked to my assistants, some of whom have never done this sort of thing before. And I look at them and I go, here's the most important thing you need to know. Whatever happens, no matter how bad, that's exactly what was supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I think, you know, it's again, just going back to that experience and when you're engaging a, a provider with all of that experience and expertise. And look, we, we've had little things where, you know, particularly in the virtual world where, you know, a server might be down for, for one of our events, which you rely on to deliver an event virtually. But then, you, you know, you can pick up the phone and ring one of, you know, 100 people anywhere around the world and tap into their expertise. Hey, this has just happened. I need some help. Have you got any ideas? What do you recommend? And I think, you know, if we look at other team building providers in New Zealand, you know, unfortunately, they probably don't have that that network or that expertise or experience to call on when, you know, when they need it. And it's not about going, hey, we know everything. It's just about going, there are literally 100 people in my mobile phone around the world that I can call on that, that do what I do have yep. been doing it for a long time and have had different experiences that might be able to help me in my situation, whatever that might be. Well put, Stu. Thank you very much. Just a quick shout out though. Do you have anybody in your team in there in New Zealand for, for team up events that you want to give some love to? Do you want to say that without this person, I don't think that I, that we, you know, that we certainly couldn't have not survived, but that this past year would have been much harder than it needed to be? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I don't want to play favorites. And sure. if, you mention, if you mention one, then obviously you, you have a few that might feel a little bit left out. But definitely, I think, you know, we're, we're a team building company and team is very much at the forefront of what we do, but it's also at the forefront of how we operate internally as well. And um, we've, we're very lucky that last year, you know, it was a tough, a tough time for us here in New Zealand, even though we may have had a little bit more freedom and flexibility compared to a lot of other countries around the world. But sure. definitely from March through to sort of August, September, it was a tough time for our team. And I think that's where you really pull on the strength of your personal relationships with your team and the relationships across the team. And one of the most, I, I suppose, positive or pleasing things is just how everyone was able to pull together um, how everyone was able to push forward and go, right, how do, how do we actually keep this bus moving? How do we continue to help our clients? And knowing that, hey, we will get through this. So look, I think, and most Catalyst partners would probably say the same, it's been a real team effort, not only here in New Zealand, but um, our partners in Australia, B Challenge Team Building, you know, fantastic group of guys, similar ethos and values to ourselves. We've been helping them with virtual events. They've been helping us with virtual events, you know, right through to our partners, Asia Ability, Team Building Asia, Up Through Asia. There's been a lot of crossover as well with support on virtual facilitation. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's really been a global effort. And as much as we joke that it was, you know, team building around the world and team building saves the world, it's been catalyst has saved team building in terms of the way we've been able to work together. 
Fantastic. And thanks for the shout out for my show. That's great. <laughs> Stu, thank you so much for coming on board with me. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you and finding out what the other side of the world has been looking like through all this. But now you might wind up hating me just a little bit because we're going to go into my speed round. <laughs> All right, Stu, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to play us music that will actually go for about 60 seconds. During that time, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. The objective of all this is just to give me the shortest, quickest answer you can come up with, whatever is the top of your head. We have a number to beat of 13. So whether it's a correct answer or a not correct answer, doesn't matter. Just try to get as many as you can within 60 seconds. You think you're up for it? I'm up for it. Let's go. Here we go. What's your name? Two. Any children? Three. Which one's your favorite? All of them. <laughs> That's always the answer. Uh, who's your favorite musician? Ooh, uh, one. Ooh, six, six, nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what would you do if you were invisible for a day? Would you rather, if you could time travel, visit the past or the future? Uh, future. Okay. Uh, if you could live in any television home, what home would it be? Uh, in one thing you remember from kindergarten. Ooh, uh, picking a soccer ball. What age should you get married at? Oh, completely up to you. No, no. Well, obviously, you have to be older than 16, but up to you. I'll count it. You were a little slow on that one, but that's okay. I'm going to count it in there. You hit nine. Nine wow. answers cor correctly done. Ladies and gentlemen, please, a big round of applause all the way from Auckland, New Zealand for Stu Robertson. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stu. I hope you had as good a time being here as I did. Once again, team, that's it for me and another episode of Team Building Saves the World. Special thanks once again to my guest, Stu Robertson. You can find Stu and his team at their website, teamupevents.co.nz. And you can now find us and all of our social medias at Team Bond Podcast, or just look for Team Building Saves the World. And don't forget, leave us that comment that I might read on future episodes. If you like this show, please share it with a friend or a colleague, and we'd be so grateful if you could subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All past episodes can be found at teambonding.com. Well, team, that's it. I'm Rich Riddensland, and if you are within the sound of my voice, never forget that now you are on my team, and I am always on yours. Thanks again, everyone, and we will see you next time. It's been
been said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your coworkers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.